Hey, this is Kat Stancic, the lead boss with the Revenue Accelerator Podcast. And today I have Audrey Holst. Now, Audrey, uh, the reason if you were watching the video was laughing was because I basically said, let's kill perfectionism, which is pretty much what she helps her clients do when they do and don't know that that is what they're struggling with. Because I think a lot of us don't actually recognize that perfectionism is part of our Achilles heel, or if not the entirety of what it is that's preventing us from actually achieving more success. So Audrey, in your own words, tell us what you do and how you're amazing at what you do. Yeah, thank you. So uh, one of the things is to help people recognize what perfectionism (laughs) is, what it looks like, the thoughts associated with it, the feelings associated with it, the fears Mm. associated with it, the behaviors associated with it. So people can start to understand and can start to track these behaviors in themselves and, and understand that like perfectionism, you know, we kind of joking about killing perfectionism, but perfectionism is a survival mechanism that we've Mm. started off with and that we've just continued on with because it seemed to work for us. But then at a certain point, it becomes a hindrance and not a help. So by helping people understand what that means, what it looks like, then we can start to disentangle from it and actually start to shift our orientation. So we're not using perfectionism as the North Star anymore. You start to use your values and the things that matter and the things that are important to you as what you put your attention, your effort towards instead. I've never heard it actually described that way in terms of using your values as your guiding star versus the perfectionism. I really like that, that perspective switch. I mean, it's two sides of the same coin, essentially. Um, and it's looking at, you know, which one is actually going to make you money it's talking about business, right. Yep. And which one is actually going to cost you. Yes. Um, that was like some deep thoughts right there. <laughs> so- We're just diving right into the deep end. Let's go. <laughs> right. Let's live. Uh, I've got my water wings on. So, um, you said something there in the intro that was really interesting to me, which is tracking the behavior. Can you tell us a little bit more about like why you would want to track your behavior? If you know, you do partake in the perfection paralysis you know, component aspects of, you know, your personality. So one of the things that uh, perfectionists do, and, and this is, this is true of a lot of different types of perfectionists. So there's different types and we can get into that later, but there's the perfectionist two-step and the perfectionist two-step is see it and fix it, mm. see it and get it right, see it and nail it. And it's a very reactionary way of doing, going through life. So the first thing that I teach people and then I, that I guide people through is this concept of slowing things down and just starting to notice without mm-hmm. taking action, without diving in, without adjusting, which is something that is unusual for a lot of people because they're so used to getting, you know, getting their hands on something and, and, and doing something with it. But before you can make a change, you have to understand what you're working with first. And a lot of people don't have the information they need. They need to do some investigation first. So just understanding and starting to track their behaviors, notice their feelings, notice their thoughts. Once they start to get this overall picture, then we can start to dive in and take some action on them. Mm, I really, you know, I think that, and probably no surprise to you that a lot of entrepreneurs actually deal with this. So in terms of like, you know, ADD kind of, not necessarily that all of us are, are officially diagnosed, but we all have tendencies, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. And this, you know, see it and fix it. I like to think that it's mostly men, but I can see a lot of, you know, female entrepreneurs kind of jumping into that boat other than maybe people who are like super woo or super like into the coaching, like life coaching kind of aspect of things. So, you know, what are some of the first things that you, you help people do when it comes to just noticing, because it's easier said than done, I think sometimes. Yeah. 
So my background is in yoga and mindfulness and physical mm-hmm. movement. And so a lot of the stuff that, that perfectionism is actually anchored in is the nervous system, which is our physical body. We can think about, I think a lot of times it's a, it's a classic thing to get into the mindset right away. And for me, the mindset is almost a secondary thing to address. The first thing is to just notice that we have this physical body because what happens is often there is a physical sensation that triggers a thought. Sometimes very often we'll talk about the mindset triggers the feeling, but it often goes from the bottom up. We Mm. feel something that reminds our body of something and that triggers the thought. Mm. So starting to notice how you feel. And so that's connecting with your visuals. If you're somebody that sees, if you're a visual person, connecting with your visuals around you, connecting with your physical self, as you move your body weight, your breathing, and then these physical sensations that are constantly happening inside of us that a lot of us have disconnected from, because that's how we've functioned is we've just disconnected and Mm. starting to reconnect actually gives us more information, better information, and it helps us influence that stuff. Yeah. No, I, I, um, I read something the other day or heard something the other day that, um, you know, triggers are the emotional reaction. It's not really the, well, it's not the thing that's happening on the outside, but it's really something that's intrinsically happening within ourselves. And so we are responsible for our triggers, even though that other person might be the worst person in the world, it's not with them, it's within ourselves. So does perfectionism, perfectionism kind of play on that? I mean, it sounds a lot like this flight or flight almost kind of experience. Yes, exactly. That's exactly right. So it kicks into those survival mechanisms, the fight, the flight, the freeze, right? And this is how we get into behaviors like procrastination Mm. or not having that conversation avoidance, right? We're running away from the thing. We want to avoid it. We don't want to touch it. Or we just shut down. You know, when maybe you've probably worked with people who they just shut down, certain things happen and it's like, they just can't function. Or all of a sudden they're finding 30 million different distractions to put their energy on. Got to do the laundry right now. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Exactly. And we're all, you know, we're human. So this is also, we do, we all do this stuff, but when we don't have influence over it and we feel like that is driving us instead of our own inner selves, that's when we need to start creating some, some different habits and some different ways of relating to, because that's a lot of it is how we relate to these feelings. And, um, you know, some of the stuff I talk about is just because it's uncomfortable doesn't mean it's wrong. I think we've really gotten to this place where this language around follow your passion. And if you love it, you'll never work a day in your life. And so we have this false sense that everything's going to be rose. Uh, yeah. The face you were making, right. <laughs> everything's going to be rosy and lovely. And if it doesn't feel rosy and lovely, then there's something wrong. Mm. That's not true. Right. And you and I both know that that is not true. So getting on board and being able to deal with discomfort and deal with yourself when you're in discomfort is a huge uh, skill that I think a lot of people really haven't thought about or addressed. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of things that you're talking about in terms of perfectionism and things like that, and, and, and not doing something and doing something or overly focusing, it sounds, I mean, a little bit like you, this, it, maybe it's underneath or over, but this overall imposter syndrome kind of thing, like, so how much does this perfection, you know, perfectionism have to do with the imposter syndrome aspect of things. Yeah. I think that imposter syndrome and also people pleasing are hugely related to Mm. perfectionism. And I think this also depends on people's unique archetype, right? There are kind of different ways that people relate to their perfectionism, different ways that they show up. And so one of the archetypes is the optics perfectionist and the optics perfectionist is really, it's one of those people that, that people really 
they liked the aesthetic is great. Everything looks really wonderful on the outside, but on the inside, the house is on fire. <laughs> so that is that I think is where that imposter syndrome comes in, where mm. we put up that good front and we're, but that's what it is. We're putting up a front. We're not actually built from a foundation that we're standing on. Mm. It's like the foundation it's a Hollywood, is it's a Hollywood movie set, right? It like exactly on the outside, is. it looks good, but if you go behind it, it's all just being held up by two by fours. <laughs> it exactly is. Yes, exactly that. Um, oh, and brand for me as a as an example. So, um, you know, so you talked about like archetypes, like it, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, and one just the the optics one. Like, are there more archetypes out there that people might fit into, and and how do you get out of each one of those? Yeah, yeah. So there's five particular archetypes, and this is something that I've come through. I've done uh, nearly let's see, it's been at least 60 hours of research, having conversations with perfectionists and talking and hearing their stories and letting Mm. them tell their experiences and their words and finding the commonalities and finding the differences. Because I think that's the thing that's really tricky about perfectionism is people have this very particular vision of what it means or what it is to be a perfectionist. So just really briefly, the five archetypes is the break and gas perfectionist, which is the person who feels like they've got their foot on the gas and their foot on the brake at the same time. They're going nowhere, but it feels like they're racing really fast. The optics perfectionist. Then there's the hero perfectionist, which is that person who is always jumping in and saving everybody else and over-functioning, but is not handling their own stuff. There's the covert perfectionist, which is really interesting. And I think that there's a lot more covert perfectionists than we know about because that's the deal. They're covert. They go under the radar. And this is where a lot of neurodivergent folks end up end up um, on the spectrum is this covert perfectionism where people that are really close to you may not even realize that you're a perfectionist and that's something you struggle with. And then there's the rigid perfectionist, which often shows up in, in business and especially in certain leaders who use control and power to... Uh, influence, I'll say nicely, they're the people. <laughs> Never met them. any of those. <laughs> they're not exactly. prominent in the corporate space at all. <laughs> totally. <laughs> that yeah, the corporate space is very much of that rigid perfectionist mentality. Yes. Narcissism thrive and flourish in this kind of environment. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, so, so that was, I think, what? How many? There's five of them. Yeah, and yep. you, you got on all five of them. Okay. Yep. So I know that you know these obviously kind of prevent people from being able to achieve success or what mm-hmm. they establish as success. So how do these personas kind of impact? And I love, I know you talk about this in terms of their upper limits, like they're, they're like, how are they hitting it because of these? And how do we break past that upper limit when we're able to recognize and guys um, just so you know that um, Audrey actually has a resource that she's going to share with you guys in terms of identifying which one of these archetypes you are. So um, if anything, that will definitely, I mean, that's definitely going to be in the show notes, but just stay tuned to hear a little bit more insight in terms of how to be able to break through some of these, some of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So the upper limit thing, it's, it depends on how people are relating to their upper limit, you know, mm-hmm. like how are they relating to their, themselves? You know, if you are a rigid perfectionist, you are getting, you are trying to get there by controlling everybody and everything and every aspect of the process mm. that can really limit you. You know, if you are not allowing the people on your team, or if you're not allowing other input, if you're not taking in feedback, that is going to be really limiting. And that is going to mess up your relationships. A lot of this creates issues within relationships. And if you are going to be successful in business, this is not something I have to say to you, or probably a lot of people that listen to your podcast on a regular basis, but this is built on relationships and being human with humans. Yeah. So 
but let me let me caveat that with but the 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 trigger here is though is when you get into that fight or flight modality then you slip back into these default things things you were socialized with stories that you observe things that you saw your parents do or whoever else something got embedded somewhere in your psyche that created this reactiveness in each and every single one of us and so that's where the mindfulness and all these other you know strategies that you leverage with your clients come into play because it helps you push past these things by recognizing how you are reacting so that you can get into that creative space versus reactive space. Exactly. And it gets you on board with who you are as a unique human, because Mm. we are so, and that's the deal with perfectionism. Perfectionism orients us to a very narrow definition of what it means to be successful, what it means to do things right. And if you want to be creative, if you want to be free, if you want to be able to Uh, interact in different places. If you want to break glass ceilings and if you want to create new paradigms, which a lot of, you know, a lot of people become entrepreneurs because they didn't like the paradigm they were in. If you were literally just recreating that paradigm within your own business, then you were not helping anything, right? You were just continuing on what has been going on that you probably, right? So many people leave corporate because they want to get a corporate and then they recreate corporate in their own businesses. And it's like, (laughs) okay. there's that chain on that desk. (laughs) Followed me over here. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, so that's, you know, that's one of those things when you start to actually realize, oh, wow, I've got other things. Like I'm okay. The, the main sort of core at all of this is people start to realize that they are okay and they are not going to die no matter what happens because Mm. this stuff is so core survival. Once people start to anchor and create some new habits and create some new behaviors, they start to realize, oh, this is going actually a lot better than I thought, which is why it's so helpful to have somebody who knows what they're talking about, like me guiding through the process, because then you create positive interactions around things that you probably have a lot of negative associations with from the past. Right. Right. Yeah. And I mean, really any leader, right. Has to be able to function at higher you know, levels and capacity. And if you're getting pulled back into things, right. Or you're stepping back into things then there's probably this reaction that's happening and there's a trigger there, um, whatever that's based off of that's, you know, kind of hitting this perfectionist kind of vein. Um, and you've got to triage it before you bleed out essentially. Yeah. Yeah. That's a pretty violent uh, metaphor, but it works. <laughs> I mean, sometimes when you're in extremes, you got to, I mean, you know, like, but if we look at the the lifeblood of business in terms of functioning, you know, yes, you can have, you know, we're going to go violent again, like certain parts of your bodies that have been amputated or you're cutting off circulation, it's not going to be functional. Yes. Right. And so you're actually handicapping yourself further than what you needed to, because you're not providing or, or really serving the role that you're supposed to. Are you the heart of the business? Are you the mind of the business? Well, if the heart starts doing things in the feet, then it can't really do its job effectively. Um, totally. Yeah. And I think that just to, to build on that metaphor a little bit more, right? <laughs> that concept of circulation or yeah. having access to energy, really, right? The good circulation, you've got good energy. That is one of those things is when perfectionists, they suck their energy into things that they do not need to suck their energy into. And when you are in business, you need access to all of the energy that you can get your hands on. So if you are getting your energy sucked off into silly things and in perfectionist drama, then you are really leaving a lot of money on the table and you are really probably staying away from risks that could really benefit your business. Mm, I like that you talked about, so like, what are some other things to be looking at in terms of like warning signs, red flags that could be costing you money in your business related to kind of getting into this, this triggered perfectionism or in this reactive state? 
Yep. I think uh, avoiding conversations that need to be had, like avoiding mm. telling the truth, avoiding telling the truth to yourself, avoiding telling the truth to others. That's the one thing where you got to start telling yourself the truth before you tell other people the truth, but yeah. not telling yourself the truth, spending way too much time on stupid tasks that don't need your time. If you're spending 50 hours on a stupid email that you could just type in two sentences and be gone with, you know, cause that's the perception. People get really worried about how they're going to look. So they yeah. try to micromanage communications like really, really crazily. Um, not taking risks if you, or you find a place, places to put your blame on other people. Oh, well, I couldn't, I didn't have time last minute. Oh, well, this person was doing this. If you're constantly putting your blame on other people, it might be because you don't want to take responsibility yourself for the fact that you are not managing yourself. You're not managing your time. You're not managing your energy. Well, Mm. um, so any of those sort of avoidance type behaviors, procrastination type behaviors, or defensiveness when people start giving you feedback and all of a sudden you've got a million excuses and a million reasons why their feedback isn't worthwhile and that you're doing it the right way. And now you're going to get defensive about things. That is a huge perfectionist thing is they cannot take feedback because this, all this meaning making they have about themselves and what it means about them. And that, that is extremely detrimental. If you can't take in the information that could help you grow your business or, or avoid a problem, then you're just, you're just treading water where you could be like, you know, paddling down river and jumping off the waterfall and getting all the water. I don't know. That was a weird metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> I am glad I'm not the only one that like pulls in five different metaphors at the same time <laughs> and then realizes halfway through, I went down the wrong path with one of these. And this is just like, I'm totally like jiving. Like, I love this, that <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm not the only person in the world. So sometimes, you know, like some sticks, some don't, but you know, like I totally get it. Like really following the wrong path, going down a more rockier road than needed to be. See, now we're just going off track. Um, so, you know, and this of course is different than narcissists, right? Who obviously don't take feedback, who don't care what other people think. This is a complete lack of care in that instance versus a complete lack of ownership. Yes. Um, I just yeah. And Yeah. Perfectionists tend to have a pretty high level of care, which is why they do the behaviors that they do. Right. Right. Exactly. So, you know, how, how do you change? How do you go from, let's say, you know, we've kind of gone through some phases here of like, you know, recognition, right. And understanding then we looked at kind of how we start being mindful. So looking at how do we start, you know, being able to recognize that things are happening. So how do you, and then understanding the cost of what all of this is, but now how do you move through to kind of creating change and not just, you know, temporary change, but something that's really long lasting and supportive how you want to be showing up in life. Yeah. So it's, I think one of the things that is so important is getting out of your isolation, which is something that perfectionists also are really good at. They're good at isolating because they don't want anybody to see that they don't have all their stuff handled. So getting in relationship with somebody that you can trust, that you can start to shift these things. This is why I really highly recommend mm. working with a coach or, or working with a friend or somebody who is going to be with you and keep you moving forward. Because this is one of those things that I hear all the time where people will try to tackle their perfectionism by themselves, but they don't go anywhere because they're trying to tackle the problem with the same problem that they currently have, right? They're trying to fix their perfectionism with perfectionism. And it's like, that's that's not what we're going to do here. So starting to work with somebody who can, who can reflect back, okay, these are the things I'm seeing. This mm. is the stuff you're doing. These are the values that you're telling me are really important, right? These are the things you're looking to, to go towards. This is what you're currently doing. Okay, let's talk about what works because this is the other thing. We are so good at looking at what's broken and what's wrong and what our weaknesses are and trying to work on those. 
And really what we have to do is start leveraging what we're really good at, what works, let's do more of that. And once mm-hmm. we start following that path, okay, great. Now we start to get a little bit of forward movement and we can start to create some momentum with that. So like, what does this have to do with success? I mean, I know we talked about leaving, you know, some money on the table. We talked about kind of improving ourselves, but, you know, I tend to want to look at things a little holistically. We are a business, but we are so much more than just our business. So how does this play into other areas of your life? And how do you kind of, you know, take this process that you're working people through to create kind of more of this holistic, fulfilled, oh my God, I'm going to use such a, (laughs) such a coachy word, living a more on purpose and fulfilled and, you know, purposeful life. Yeah, well, I think the the biggest thing is right when we say the word success, I think people think that they know what it means, but we got to get really granular. What does success look like? Because success in your business may look a certain way. But what does success in your relationships look like? What does success in your overall life look like? What is success in your downtime? Like we have to just expand that concept because there are a lot of people with success on paper who are making a lot of money, who are really miserable Mm -hmm. on a lot of medication are like two seconds away from having a heart attack or a mental breakdown. Is that the version of success that you are willing to accept? Maybe, maybe not, but I think it's important to make those decisions to see how those decisions impact you as a human being, your mental health, your physical health, your relational health, Mm. and, and really get clear about that. Because I think a lot of people chase the carrot of, okay, this is what I'm doing. This is what other people do. And just like so many other things, people are not having these conversations, right? They're they're looking up to people and they have no idea what the back end looks like. They have no idea that things are crumbling in the back end because, They are putting all of their energy and time into stuff that is maybe traditional, but doesn't work for them as an individual or for them with their families or for them and their particular strengths. Mm, Yeah. So I know you have, um, I love how you talk about this because I'm, I'm definitely a systems person, but you talk about kind of the, you know, internal unique, your, your own unique operating system, Mm -hmm. um, and, and being able to create that kind of sustainable and lasting change. Like what is. A, an internal operating system like what what is I mean because you know we talked about I mean it's kind of we talked about the heart and it's it's not that <laughs> but you know how do you recognize what that is because you're working with individuals and individuals are all unique and different and complicated mm-hmm. yet you work them through a similar process each time to get yes. these lasting results so like yes. what what is all that yeah so the operating system actually does uh, does include the physical biological body. So when we talk about the operating system, we're talking about the nervous system. We're mm-hmm. talking about somebody's biology because that is going to have a big effect. Everybody's biology is different and how they're wired is going to affect how they are. Mm-hmm. Their experiences are going to affect their own operating system. Their ancestors' experiences are also going to affect their operating system. I think so many of us, we think about learned experience, but we also don't think about the genetics that we've that we've inherited, which also the epigenetics, right? The behaviors yeah. and the events that have happened to people in our bloodlines before us. So that is all going to come in to what our current operating system is. And then we do start to create influence, right? We can rewire and we can relearn and we can create different chemical reactions in our, in our bodies over time. Um, but you got to get on board with, with where you're starting. That's where, that's the hardest thing is mm-hmm. that people feel like, well, I shouldn't need to X, right. I shouldn't mm-hmm. need to have this time. I shouldn't be upset about this thing. I should, right. There's all of these. I smile. The reason I'm smiling, you can't hear it. Um, I mean, you can see it, but you can't hear it is because, and sorry for interrupting, no, it's but great. 
this is like, just, it's such a thing all the time. Meaning we always think we're beyond the basics because we've achieved a certain age. We've a certain achieved a certain status. We've achieved a certain education level that we look at ourselves being beyond doing something as quote unquote basic as that. But I think a lot of what you talk about is if the foundation is cracked. What kind of house are you building on that to use our 50 second metaphor in today's conversation? So, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And then, so then the, you know, taking people through this process Mm -hmm. and the first part of that process is building fortitude, which is starting to build that foundation, which is noticing and discernment, noticing and starting to discern these things. What is actually mine? What, you know, people will juggle out of balls. Well, some of those balls are glass and you can't actually drop them. Some of those balls are rubber. And if you drop them, it's no big deal. Some of those balls are invisible and you're just <laughs> struggling them because you think you're supposed to be juggling them, but there's nothing actually there, you know? So really discerning, mm. where are you putting your time and your energy? Is this, this feeling that comes up in you something that actually needs action or is it just uncomfortable and you just need to be with that, right? Mm. Then they can move to action, which for a lot of people has to be done differently. So perfectionist because action and getting the action right is so hardwired for them. How can we make it smaller and more bite-sized, small, doable, and sustainable action? It has to be doable. It has to be small in the beginning because you have to build up confidence. If you aren't building up that confidence in yourself and your ability to take action and move the ball forward, then you're still just banging your head against the same issue. And then you got to integrate, right? That's, this is the flow state. you got to get the action, the integration. How did it go? You got to reflect on stuff. You got to let the dust settle. You got to realize who you are after taking action. You know, how many people in their business just keep going and going and going and going. They don't reflect on what's happened, what's worked, what's not working. The pieces of business they friggin' hate, but they spend so much energy on. Well, maybe not. Maybe that's worth taking a look at and figuring out, oh, where I am in this part of my life, in this cycle of my life this ain't working. We got to shift this. So this is all really, really important stuff for people to take into consideration. No, absolutely. And I mean, I love how you pulled in how it reflects in your business and how it should you show up in life, because all of these things in terms of who you are as a person and how you show up and how you're functioning or not functioning in society affects how you engage with other people, how you engage with your children. If you have them, hell, how you engage with your dog, right? How you engage with your parents, if you're on speaking terms with them, things like that. Yes. And how you show up in your business. So it really just, you know, if it's not functioning, it's kind of like cancer, right? It just starts spreading into the all aspects of your life. Um, And I really liked, you know, how you walked people through and I love that flow state, right, of really looking and kind of it's almost becomes this kind of cyclical piece you kind of get to, and it cycles, but it's still moving forward, right? So um, I think that as as an action taker, high achiever, uh, you know, I can definitely relate to that pausing and that look back that celebrating that recognition versus kind of rolling into that next thing. Um, and not recognizing that that could be a perfectionist tendency, meaning I am trying to go for this next goal. And the goal is that perfection, idealistic state that I'm wanting to get to that you don't even just, you know, kind of celebrate and pause, but you just keep rolling into the next thing in order to achieve that. Yes, Um, definitely. So that's super, super awesome. So, you know, are there other things that you think people should know that they don't typically do about perfectionism and how it might be affecting their life? Um, it's a good question. Um, I think that there are, so when I, when I interviewed all these perfectionists, there are different levels of awareness that Mm. people have around perfectionism. There are sort of the, the perfectionist 
perfectionism curious or like the perfectionism adjacent where people are starting to, maybe they've, maybe they've been called a perfectionist before, or maybe they've been reading some things about perfectionism and they're feeling like, "Mm, Hmm, you know, they kind of got, it's sort of, it keeps coming up. And when stuff like that happens in your life, when it keeps coming up over and over again, it's, it's one of those things to pay attention to. Right. Right. And then there are other people who are, have a really intimate relationship with their perfectionism. (laughs) You know, like they're, they're very aware. They can tell you how it shows up, what it shows up. And these are both, both of these states are double-edged swords. Um, If you're just starting to build awareness in that beginning phase, you want to just educate yourself a little bit more, like, you know, head to my website, look at, get the, um, you know, get the, the resources that I have on there, read some stuff, start to educate yourself on perfectionism. So you can start to understand, is this what's up with me? Would this be helpful for me? Or is there some other resource that might be helpful, right? Mm. The people who are really, really aware of their perfectionism are sometimes almost the more tricky ones because they've convinced themselves, all right, I just need to meditate more. I just need to do more yoga. I just need to do X, Y, and Z, but they don't do any of these things or they do those things and it creates absolutely no change for them. Mm. So it's that whole getting honest with yourself piece. that's really, and, and actually talking with some friends, like talk with some mentors, talk with your coach, talk with whoever, and really get some honest feedback from the people that know you really well to, to get some, what is it like from the outside? Cause what you're experiencing, what you think is obvious to other people may not actually be showing up on the outside. Yeah. I, uh, I love that in terms of being like, you know what, here's a challenge, go talk to people and be like, Hey, how, how do I show up? Where, where do you see where I might be a perfectionist and, and stuff like that? Because, you know, it's kind of like a, a car. Can you uh, 58 analogy, but like, sorry, just going to be a jerk about it now, <laughs> but like, cause I use metaphors all the time, but oh, same you know, can a car still function if it's leaking oil? I had, I had a 96 geoprism that. Oh, lovely. Definitely leaked oil and somehow it fixed itself. I just, I was slightly possessed, but we always had to keep putting oil in it. So yes, it could keep going, but it was costing us money, right? It wasn't probably, you know, efficiently operating at its best capacity. Not that a 96 geoprism back in 2010 was functioning probably at its best, but you know, like there's things that could have been changed out the spark plug or a a gasket or, you know, a sealant or something like that, as far as my car analogies go. Um, But it can still function, but is it functioning at its best level and not in the terms of it's a 96 year prism looked a little rough. Yes. It can get you to A to B, but are you enjoying the ride? Right. Is it smooth or is it bumpy? Like what, you know, and what are the things you want to exchange? Um, so I can, can definitely appreciate getting that extra <laughs> input and be like, yeah, did you know you had a big dent in your ass? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is one of the things that really helps me to create some change was, uh, having a really honest, um, really mm-hmm. honest husband and somebody who actually my perfectionism rubbed the wrong way. You know, some people, yeah. I had that very like over-functioning perfectionism mm-hmm. and that made him crazy. So it made me really aware of these behaviors that I did automatically that I wasn't even aware of because every time I would do something, it, he would let me know, right. I would know right away. I was like, Oh man, there's that thing that I do. You know, it's just, so just starting to really curate. And I think this is another thing that's important. You want to curate the people in your life and mm. curate the people in your network who are going to be, who are, are showing up in the way that you want to be moving towards in your life. Like if you can't be honest with the people in your life, if you can't have these conversations and 
everybody, right. Everybody's different. I'm not saying like, you're going to go to your mechanic and have a conversation about your perfections, right? Like, you know, like be, do be... I wash my car too often? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> is it too detailed? <laughs> exactly. Like be discerning, but it is important. And especially in your professional network and business, right? Look at the people that you're surrounded by. Like, you know, if mm. people are listening to your podcast, they know very clearly that you are a human who runs a business, you know, like that and, and advises other people. There are other people who have different perspectives and you've got to understand and, and look at who you're getting advice from. Make yeah. sure you're getting your advice from the people that are being in the world, not just mm. the, not just the results and the success, but also being in the world, the way that you want to be in the world. I love that. Yeah. Because there's some people that you might love them. They might love you, but they're not the best source of input kind of, especially when you're an entrepreneur, not everybody's a person that you can have that safe conversation with. We all right. know that as much as our parents should celebrate us, they don't get it. Or our siblings don't get it. Or colleagues from our past professional experience just don't get why we do what we do. And their opinion isn't one that you should always value when it comes to certain aspects of your business life doesn't mean that they're not valuable for other areas. Um, Really loved your functional perfectionist. It's kind of like a functional alcoholic, right? Like (laughs) you learn behavior to like overcome, to try to mask it or to try to hide it or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, there's that smell. So on that note, how can people get in touch with you and learn a little bit more, especially about these archetypes that you were sharing earlier um, and, and see how you might be able to support them in, in kind of overcoming some perfectionism, you know, creating more of that, like you know, what would it, you know, that kind of peak performance kind of aspect in their life. Yeah. So if you go to fortitude and flow.com slash podcast interview, that's going to give people the opportunity to get that archetype guide. And I am directly connected to those emails. So when you get that guide and you get that email, hit reply to that email. That's Mm -hmm. me on the other side of that email. Tell me like, what archetype do you identify? What, what, where are you really feeling the impacts of your perfectionism? And people can then schedule a stop assessment with me where we'll talk about the archetypes and we'll talk about your strengths. We'll talk about the threats to your business. We'll talk about the opportunities you have. And then we'll talk about your particular brand of perfectionism and whether working Mm. with me is a good deal or is a good idea for, for your particular, right. You know, challenges. So achieve more success. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Anything else um, that you'd like to share with the audience? Um, And guys, the, um, the the link is definitely going to be in the show notes as well. Some little, little tidbits and everything that we've been talking about today. So be sure, make sure you check that out. Um, That's something that's really going to provide a lot of insight and, you know, in and of itself will definitely help keep moving you forward in business. Yeah. Yeah. I think just the, the final thing I would say is that Um, don't be freaked out if you start to realize that you're a perfectionist and you never knew it because perfectionism is, is not an inherently terrible thing. Perfectionists are some of the biggest like line pushers and status quo pushers out there. Mm. You know, they have that possibility. They have that drive in them. And so when they start to, when that perfectionism starts to get out of their way, it is friggin' amazing what they're capable of. So perfectionism is not some sort of, you know, horrible thing, a horrible diagnosis that now all of a sudden you've been, you know, you've been burdened with. It's just like, identify it, figure out what's working and like, let's get going. Yeah. I mean, perfect example, especially recently with Simone Biles of being like someone who pushed the envelope struggles, you know, just 
just going beyond what perfection was considered, but then also knowing her limitations. Yeah. Right? And so, I mean, yes, yes, I'm taking a stance on that one in terms of how I feel about it. Um, but looking at that and being able to understand that really perfectionism wasn't necessarily what was driving her, even right. though from the outside, everything she was doing was perfect. She knew her limits and where to push and where not to. So I think that's just a, a great, uh, uh, example of how we can be inspired by someone who's achieving more, who seems to be seeking perfectionism, but who's really just creating her version of what a perfect life looks like. Yes. Yep. Pushing those boundaries. It's amazing. Awesome. Audrey, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. This was so fun. Great.